0: Christabel Sylvia and Adela Pankhurst were born within five years of each other in Manchester, England. Christabel Sylvia and Adela Pankhurst died within three years of each other, but not in Manchester, England. In fact, by the time of their deaths, the Pankhurst sisters were scattered across the globe. The Pankhursts are synonymous with the movement for women's suffrage. It would be unusual to read anything about the drive for voting rights for women in Britain without seeing mention of the Pankhurst name. That's not just down to sisters Christabel, Sylvia and Adela, though. Their mother, Emmeline, was the founder of the Women's Social and Political Union, and she led the British suffragette movement in the early 1900s. Their mother, Emmeline, was the founder of the Women's Social and Political Union, and she led the British suffragette movement in the early 1900s. So how was it that Emmeline's daughters would go from campaigning together for the same cause in Britain to splitting so far apart? Let's start with a heart attack. I'm Tony Robinson, and you're listening to It's About Time. (laughs) On the 5th of May 1953, Christabel Pankhurst wrote to her sister Sylvia to wish her a happy birthday. Sylvia, dear, she wrote, this is your birthday, and I'm writing to wish you, with my love, many happy returns of the day. I hear that you're not as well as usual, and I hope that you're improving and feeling stronger in this spring and your birthday month. That may seem like the most casual of greetings, but that was the first contact between Christabel and Sylvia since 1914, nearly forty years previously. So what could have brought them back together? I hear that you're not as well as usual. To say that Christabel's words were an understatement would be... well, it would be an understatement. Sylvia had suffered a severe heart attack from which doctors didn't believe she'd recover, and so Christabel's letter was very much a letter of comfort. It's a gentle ode to their childhood happiness as part of a united family, before social and political divisions drove them apart. Your mind often goes back, I know, as mine does, Christabel wrote to Sylvia, to those good years of our childhood, when we still had father and mother and the home they made for us. But the nostalgia for harmony evident there belies the tumultuous reality of their early political years, years that drove them apart not only ideologically, but geographically. It all starts in Manchester in September 1880, when Christabel Pankhurst was born to Richard and Emmeline Pankhurst. Like many first-born daughters, she was doted on, and would turn out to be very much her mother's daughter. Less than two years after her birth, Christabel was followed by Estelle Sylvia, although eventually she dropped the Estelle. Other than the tragic death of their young brother Frank from diphtheria, thought to be caused by damp, the childhoods of the oldest of the Pankhurst sisters, for Adela would be born a couple of years after Sylvia, were happy ones, right up until the passing of their father in 1898 it wasn't necessarily a standard middle-class upbringing most of us are happy to see john and mary from next door when we think of visitors but emmeline richard and the kids hosted some of the day's most prominent rebels and iconoclasts socialists like william morris keir hardie eleanor marx and tom mann popped by as did anarchists peter kropotkin and enrico malatesta and abolitionists like William Lloyd Garrison and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. The girls were adults, or almost, by the time their father died. After that, having incurred the household debt following her husband's passing, Emmeline went to work as registrar of births and deaths in Chawton, Manchester. It was in this position, and later as part of the Manchester School Board, that her experiences of and insight into the vast inequalities suffered by women in the region moved her to found the Women's Social and Political Union, the WSPU, with several other women, including her daughter Christabel. This put them at the forefront of their cause. In the months and years following its founding in 1903, the WSPU would become very much the militant wing of the suffrage movement, with Emmeline, Christabel, Sylvia and Adela all members. The four were arrested on numerous occasions, as they embarked on disruptive protests with increasingly violent tactics. They fought the law, often quite literally, but they did it together. What kind of turmoil could lead to almost 40 years of silence between Christabel and Sylvia? What kind of rift needed a severe heart attack for Christabel to reach out to her sister again? Well, it happened within the WSPU. As it became increasingly middle class and veered to the right of the political spectrum under Emmeline and Christabel's leadership, Sylvia sought to move further to the left and represent working-class women. While the W.S.P.U. had been founded in Manchester, it eventually moved to London, and it was there in 1913 that Sylvia officially split from the group, founding the East London Federation of the Suffragettes, a working-class socialist suffragette movement. That fracture of the family, with Emmeline and Christabel on one side and Sylvia on the other, was to lead to an insurmountable chasm between the women in terms of political outlook and social activism. And the First World War was to bring that chasm into focus. The inseparable pair, Emmeline, and her first daughter, Christabel, courted middle-class support for their cause and urged supporters to do their bit for the war effort. But Sylvia's East London Federation of the Suffragettes took the opposite position. Uniquely among the prominent women's suffragette organisations active in Britain at the time, they refused to support the war. Indeed, they continued their campaign for women's suffrage through the war, while Emmeline and Christabel's WSPU put their suffrage calls largely on hold, instead concentrating on supporting the war. This all meant that by the spring of 1914, ties between Christabel and Sylvia had been severed. The rift would last for nearly the rest of their lives, and even then they wouldn't be reconciled. In the letters the pair share after Christabel made contact again in the 1950s, they talk of their thoughts on the books that detailed the struggle for women's suffrage in Britain, mainly complaints about various slanderous or merely inaccurate observations. They also discuss their early lives before politics as well as their family history. They don't touch on the rift that set them apart ideologically or geographically, Christabel left for America in 1921, and eventually became a second Adventist evangelist, only returning to Britain for a brief period, during which she was appointed a Dame commander of the British Empire in 1936. On her return to Britain, she didn't see Sylvia, who was living in East London, and would later depart for Ethiopia to support Emperor Haile Selassie, though not until after she recovered from the heart attack that brought her back into contact with her older sister. Sylvia wrote the last letter in their series of correspondence, all of which her son Richard Pankhurst published for the first time in 2001. She wrote that letter from Addis Ababa to her sister in California, but didn't receive a reply. Christabel passed away in 1958 and was buried at Woodlawn Memorial Cemetery in Santa Monica. Much like their births, Sylvia would follow two years later, but thousands of miles away in Ethiopia. She received a full state funeral, at which Haile Selassie himself named her an honorary Ethiopian. The only foreigner buried in front of Holy Trinity Cathedral in Addis Ababa she's buried in a section reserved for war patriots in honour of her work for the country. Though many still campaign for her contribution to British society to be recognised to the same degree as that of her mother and older sister. From 1914, Christabel and Sylvia lived entirely separate lives, socially, politically, spatially. And when you read their later-life correspondence, you never really feel like they bury the hatchet personally, more just reconnect, related acquaintances who shared a common past. They did talk about family, though. They talked about family a lot, their mother and father specifically. It's a wonder that the name Adela only appears once, just in passing and only mentioned at all, as Sylvia points out an inaccuracy in a book about the movement that their family played such a big part in. So what of Adela? What of the sister dubbed the wayward suffragette? Stay tuned to It's About Time.
1: It's About Time is sponsored by Ancestry. Discover your family history within the billions of records on the Ancestry website and take the Ancestry DNA test to learn more about who you are today with details like your ethnic makeup and relatives you never knew existed. Listeners of this podcast can enjoy free postage on an Ancestry DNA kit. Just visit www.ancestry.com forward slash podcast DNA. That's www.ancestry.com forward slash podcast DNA for free postage on an Ancestry DNA kit. So you can start your Ancestry DNA journey today. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid until the 24th of November, 2016.
0: Long before they would parted ways and then reconnected, Christabel once said to her sister Sylvia, I wouldn't care if you were multiplied by a hundred, but one of Adela is too many. So what of the wayward suffragette? Not surprisingly, the three Pankhurst sisters were inspired to follow the campaigning paths of their parents, particularly for the Women's Social and Political Union, the WSPU. And Adela was no exception. From an early age she was consumed by the movement for women's suffrage. In nineteen o six she heckled Winston Churchill and slapped the policeman who tried to take her away as recounted by her friend and fellow WSPU member Hannah Mitchell I followed Adela who was in the grip of a big burly officer who kept telling her she ought to be smacked and set to work at the wash-tubs she grew so angry that she slapped his hand which was as big as a ham She was charged with assault for that particular show of rebellion, and jailed at Strangeways Prison in Manchester. And jailed again, after a protest at Parliament turned violent. But just as tensions grew between Emmeline and Christabel on one side, and Sylvia on the other through 1913, so too did Adela become infuriated with the direction the cause was taking. As I mentioned, Emmeline and Christabel were moving to the right, and their tactics were increasingly aggressive, window-smashing, hunger strikes and even bombings. They were also steering the cause in a middle-class direction, while Sylvia was more concerned with a socialist working-class movement. Adela wasn't one to make a secret of her own socialist views, and she too was disillusioned with the direction her mother and older sister were taking politically. She was personally distant, too, resenting the favouritism Emmeline showed to her eldest daughter. She was the third daughter, and despite her tremendous efforts for the cause, she was treated sceptically as a nuisance. Sylvia later wrote of Adela, "'The desire was a reaction from the knowledge.' that though a brilliant speaker and one of the hardest workers in the movement, she was often regarded with more disapproval than approbation by Mrs. Pankhurst and Christabel, and was the subject of a sharper criticism than the other organisers had to face. So as Sylvia was pushed away, so too was rebellious Adela. But it was quite a firm push. She was given £20 for a one-way boat ticket to Australia and sent on her way. Adela arrived in Melbourne in April 1914, and would never see her mother or sisters again. But just three years later, in 1917, a telegram, which was only discovered this year, landed on the desk of the then Australian Prime Minister, Billy Hughes. It was from Adela's mother, Emmeline, and simply said, I am ashamed of Adela, and repudiate her wish you all success. Make any use of this. Adela Pankhurst had arrived in Australia as the political activist daughter of a famous political activist mother. She got a hero's welcome in 1914. So what happened to sour things even further? Well, one of the reasons Adela was banished was Emmeline and Christabel's fear of her speaking negatively about their activities. But when talking to Melbourne crowds enthusiastic about the militant activities of the Pankhurst-led WSPU, she plainly told them, you have heard a great deal about broken windows. I can tell you about the broken lives that caused the broken windows. And so the adulation that initially surrounded Adela was short-lived. Adela was free to join the Victorian Socialist Party and the Women's Peace Army and protested against Australia's involvement in the First World War, alongside future Australian Prime Minister, John Curtin. Indeed, out of the family's shadow, Adela proved herself a rousing speaker and leader and was a thorn in the side of the Australian establishment by 1917 when her mother wrote to Prime Minister Hughes to wish him every success in suppressing her daughter. Just a few months later, police arrested Adela during a Melbourne march against price increases that came about because of the war. A few weeks after that, she led a band of men and women into the city, as they reportedly sang and smashed windows under a red flag. That September, she married Union leader Tom Walsh, only to be jailed six days later for public order offences. She wouldn't be freed until January 1918. In 1920, Adela Pankhurst Walsh would hold a crying baby on her knee at a political meeting as she and Tom became founding members of the Communist Party of Australia. These activities on the left of the political spectrum brought her closer to Sylvia, even naming one of her children after her. Christabel, meanwhile, had moved to America. But Adela's passion for revolutionary communism faded. As she grew older, she'd come to express enthusiasm for female domesticity that was at odds with her previous beliefs. Indeed, in 1927, Adela founded the anti-communist Australian Women's Guild of Empire, which sought to uphold Christian ideals and safeguard the family unit. It was then that she made contact with her mother to tell her that she had renounced socialism. And it was just before her mother's death in 1928 that Emmeline replied to say she was full of regret for the long rift. In the 1930s, Adela would veer completely to the right, first demonstrating against strikes and promoting industrial harmony. She espoused conservative Christian views denouncing contraception and abortion. She occasionally wrote positively of the Nazi party and became an organiser for the fascist Australia First Group and was interned as a traitor. Long before her death in 1961... Adela Pankhurst withdrew from public life. She passed away in New South Wales, around 8,000 miles from where Sylvia had been buried a year before in Addis Ababa, and nearly the same distance from Los Angeles, where her oldest sister Christabel had been laid to rest before that. But while they died divided politically as well as geographically, you can't deny the lasting legacy of the Pankhurst sisters. Thanks for listening to It's About Time with me, Tony Robinson. It's About Time is brought to you by Ancestry, the leader in family history and consumer genomics. Thanks to them for all their help in putting this episode together. Remember, we bring you It's About Time for free. So if you liked it, help us out by subscribing, rating, and leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you subscribe, new episodes will download automatically. If you let us know how much you like it, we'll bring you many more. And there's no harm telling your friends, your family, your babysitter, your lawyer, and even your baby. Start them young on It's About Time. That's all from us. Goodbye.
1: It's About Time is sponsored by Ancestry. Discover your family history within the billions of records on the Ancestry website. And take the Ancestry DNA test to learn more about who you are today. With details like your ethnic makeup and relatives you never knew existed. Listeners of this podcast can enjoy free postage on an Ancestry DNA kit. Just visit www.ancestry.com forward slash podcast DNA. That's www.ancestry.com forward slash podcast DNA for free postage on an Ancestry DNA kit. So you can start your Ancestry DNA journey today. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid until the 24th of November, 2016.